All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. Welcome, Megan. How are you? I'm good. This is just, it's just you and I. We don't have a guest today. It's just another just Portland and Megan me. riff. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about queerness, talk about being baby queers, talk about being laid out, laid out, laid out, not laid out. <laughs> yeah, wait, you know? what? You may want to, you know, I may want to be laid out, but (laughs) (laughs) what I am is late out. Um, Yes. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it. I we didn't make like a formal agenda for what we wanted to talk about, but there were some points that you wanted points of clarification that you wanted to say from the top before we get into this conversation. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to kind of say like both of us have come out as bi and I don't want to ever be saying that we're kind of the authority on bisexuality or queerness. Like there's so many people that I learn from and this is like, you know, a new stage of a journey for me too. And so it's just like our, we're, we're talking about our own experiences and things that we've learned along the way, but it's not meant to be like a, bisexual resource <laughs> yeah like, and for, i for i i queerness. feel i feel kind of like uh in saying that like when you like tell somebody about like a cold medicine you're like i'm not a doctor and people are like oh thank you for telling me you're like i'm not the authority on being gay uh, and it's like i, <laughs> exactly. I imagine all of our listeners be like okay thanks thanks for letting us know what we already knew uh but we don't want to appear prescriptive and i think there's valid critique from folks who have been especially doing work in the LGBTQIA 2 plus community, uh, 2S plus community for a long time, uh, who there's benefit in going like, I'm gay and I need to talk about it, so I'm going to make a TikTok or whatever. But also there is tons of value in going like, I have no idea what this looks like or means and there are people who have been out for a long time and um queer for a long time and trans for a long time and whatever it might be uh who are probably better resources uh if you're looking for more um and i wouldn't even say prescriptive but just more authoritative information however i do think that there's a lot of people who listen to their after podcast who are similar to us and so maybe there can be something relatable in hearing our experience 
as you know a listener of the show who is maybe somebody who is later in life coming out or is newly out uh or is in some stage of queerness in between really gay and really straight and they're feeling all different kinds of feelings about about occupying that space and understanding what that queerness means and so our experience could be helpful to somebody hopefully uh otherwise you know we wouldn't be doing this so we're hopeful that it's helpful um but that's yeah i, I agree i have to say too i mean because i got a lot of when i came out um over the summer i got a lot of support on twitter and on social media but i also got a lot of private messages from people that um are bi are queer that have just that for various reasons aren't able to come out haven't come out are thinking about coming out and I just kind of want to say everybody's journey is valid and and so we see all of you and so we're just you know sharing our stories and um hopefully holding space for folks to be seen and heard in their own journeys and that's kind of what we've always been about and so um that's just just another way to kind of meet people where where they're at in the conversation yeah I think one other element too that I think is interesting or that is worth bringing up is, you know, the conversation around gender and sexuality and queerness in general, like is ever expanding and growing as more people are talking about it. And I think one of the elements that doesn't get talked about a lot that I found is people who have had some kind of identity um, who are now maybe exploring a new aspect of identity. So for example, like I have friends who maybe came out in early in life as cis and gay and are now trans and trans and queer in some way. And as you know, that journey expands, right? As our understanding of that expands. Uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who is gay, who has been out, I believe, since early years um, of his life. He's been married, he's been divorced, married to a man, <laughs> divorced from a man, uh, and and remarried, and and is still like, oh, like, I didn't really know everything about nuance in my sexuality. I just knew I liked men, and so then I was gay, and so it was a pretty easy box to fit me in. And now he it has come to me and said, like, oh, man, like, tell me about demisexuality. Tell me about, you know, gray ace, you know, identity. Um, tell me about, you know, aspects of polyamory like there's there there can be new things to learn so even those of us i think there can be pressure sometimes for people in the queer community to feel like they've arrived at some sort of fixed identity because there's yeah. so much critique and like oh well if for a second uh, a gay man begins to go like, I don't know, maybe I have sex with a woman, then it feels like that could invalidate every aspect of their identity because socially and culturally, 
we put this pressure and this critique on queer people that we don't put on straight people, right? <laughs> if Well, and I think it all comes down to, I think that society want it sometimes struggles to engage with people that um it, it's they're hard on paper to understand or I, there's a better way to say it and I, I remember daniel m lavery had a way in um in his book um things that may shock or something that may shock and discredit you i forget how he worded it but it was like um being able to read someone and have somebody you know just present in a certain way and they're just like every you can just see and and read them and all of them in just an interaction and and it's just not that way right and so there's like you said so much nuance but I I guess I would love to have a conversation or to start this off by talking about just the idea of coming out because after I came out too I think it was the day a day later I had a tweet that was like when are, when are we going to get to a point where people are coming out as straight, right? And there was conversation and dialogue under that tweet about when are we going to get to a point where nobody has to come out anyway because it's just not even a thing, right? And so I think about with – there were a lot of different reactions to me coming out, but with my own kids, I never had this moment where I like sat them down and had a serious conversation and was like, by the way, I'm bisexual, you know, because it was just like – there was, Here are it the colors. It's purple and pink and blue. <laughs> yeah. But I did like I was it just happened to come up in conversation because I was drinking a love kombucha. And I don't know if you've seen that. It's a brew doctor. I love that kombucha. It's great. It's like apple yeah. with lavender or something. It's like a little chamomile. It's mm. it's great. Right. But it yeah. also has a pride flag on it. And so my kids love rainbows. And so they were asking about it. And I was explaining like the pride flag and how there's different flags for different identities. And I was like. You know, like, and I showed him, I was like, I think the bi flag is really pretty. <laughs> I was like, and that one's like me, because it just means like, you know, you could be attracted to women or you could be attracted to men. And I'm like, I'm married to dad, but I also could have been married to a woman. You never know, you know? And they were like, oh, and it was just no big deal because I've raised them in, in just kind of normalizing all of that and, you know, seeing the representation in media and they have a lot more of that now. And so I think having that be the thing where it's not this big coming out moment, but it's just like, oh, no big deal. Okay, I could totally see that. Sure. And then moving on. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about just that whole coming out. Yeah, I think, you know, like there is no wrong way to be queer. There's no wrong way to come out. Uh, for me, like I've never had a coming out. Like if my parents are listening to this episode, which like – like they've been warned not to, but like they might be surprise, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, if this was the first episode that they have listened to, uh, I never came out to my parents. I, you know, I, even the people that were very close to me, it wasn't a very formal coming out, like in conversations that I had with Crystal, my wife, um, about it, it was like very like, I don't know. I think I want to kiss that guy. What does that mean? You know, like, uh, and, and, you know, there were various conversations like that along the way that led to a very natural, just, this is my reality. And that's always been the way that I've approached it. It was like three days ago that I put queer in my bio on Twitter. Um, and it was mostly in response to, I edited my bio, uh, to make a joke about this giant thread that I had gotten wrapped up in fighting with this misogynist asshole. Uh, 
And so, yeah, it's in my bio at the moment, queer. Uh, and I have people that will ask me. I had somebody come in my DMs a few days ago and like, hey, how do you how do you prefer to identify? And I like bisexual. Like, I've always liked that term. I think a lot of people, I still talk to people on a regular basis who misunderstand bisexuality and think that it is a linear binary and it means that, you know, you are attracted to two genders. Um, that's not the case. That's not the way I use the term. That's, I believe, not the way that the term really should be used. It is an expansive and all-inclusive term for a broader queerness that transcends monosexuality. Uh, meaning attraction to one gender. So monosexuality, monosexual people, gay people, uh, gay men are traditionally monosexual. Lesbian women are traditionally monosexual. Um, and so bisexual is the alternative to that, right? It's, it's expansive. So I like the term bisexual. But I also don't have a lot of myself wrapped up in terminology so like queer is fine gay is fine like if somebody wants to call me gay i'm cool like i honestly feel somewhat honored if someone calls me gay um because i think that many of these terms are much more broad than the straight community tends to paint them as and i think most folks within the queer community uh acknowledge that that there is broad nuance to terminology around queerness um i could ramble and ramble but that my answer is that like you don't have to come out like it doesn't have to be a moment but also for some folks in some situation that's an important piece that's an important step to have that big public coming out um or coming out in certain contexts to family you know spouses coworkers, whoever it might be in certain contexts uh I want to celebrate people for having that moment. Um, but I also know that there's this sense of like, if you don't have a desire for that moment, sometimes it's like, is it still valid for me to be just like low key bisexual? Does that mean I'm in the closet? If I didn't, if I've never put a rainbow flag in my bio, no, yeah. you're valid. You're fine. Like, yeah. And I think so. And I, I love that. And another thing that I want to talk about in this conversation is how people conflate bisexuality with who you're having sex with, right? Because I think that there were people that asked my partner, people that asked me, like when I came out, like, oh, like, who are you fucking? And it was like, what, like, why is that the assumption that's happening here? Well, obviously, and because people assume that you can pull like some pretty, like, hot ladies. So people are <laughs> curious. Like, people are like, well, if Megan is on the market, uh, for women, there obviously is some hotties uh, lining up, right? There, I, I will not deny that there have been a, a couple people in my DMs, but <laughs> I, I, maybe they thought that I was on the market, but I made it clear that I'm not on the market. But um, I and, and but obviously that that's been part of it too because um, I've talked to people about this too. There have been like I have had mom friends make comments like. Um, just about thinking that I might be available for exploration and things like that. And I think there's just this, um, this completion of like, okay, well you're bi now, so you must be 
doing that. Like, I'm just going to imagine all the things that you're doing now. And that like, that's not even the case, but I also don't even think that, um, I owe anybody an explanation about what I am and am not doing. Right. And so I think, um, it goes back. It, it's interesting because we had a Twitter spaces conversation, um, last week and somebody brought up the question of, was Jesus queer? And, and that was an interesting question. It kind of went all over the place. And somebody made a comment on Twitter that said, I don't know. And I, I think I am understanding what they were trying to say here, but they were like, I don't know if I can kind of get with the narrative of what Jesus, whether Jesus was queer or not, because it it wouldn't really land well to be making disciples and then screwing them or something like that. And I was like, but not the way I make did, disciples. <laughs> did did people now. think when people think that he's not queer, did people think that he was screwing any of the people that he interacted with? Like, why is that suddenly the conversation? And so I think I would like to have that conversation of like, does coming out, like, wh- why do people think that coming out as bi or even as gay or as lesbian or any, you know, anything suddenly mean that people can deduct things about your sex life? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there is an inherent sexualization, and again, conservatives, right, like to like to to build this boogeyman uh, around queerness and around drag queens and around you know transgender people that it's like we're sexualizing. It's like that somehow we as queer people are sexualizing the world um, by being queer. The reality is that 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 is rooted in homophobia. It's rooted in transphobia. It's rooted in this cis heteronormative idea that says that queerness and uh, transgender uh, uh, identity and transgender people are inherently sexual or somehow more sexual than normal straight people, normal cis people. And you don't see the air quotes. He's saying I'm air quoting. Yeah, sorry. I guess I should. I should. I, I should. I should give alt text to my. Well, when you're saying normal, I want people to know that you're air quoting that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I do forget that people can't see me uh, while we're recording. But the 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 thing is, it's not queerness is not inherently sexual. No more than heterosexual sexuality is is inherently sexual like it is it is a representation of who you are who you're attracted to who you're drawn to who you have romantic feelings for um and it really transcends that when you really start thinking about how nuanced attraction and partnership and all those things are um one thing i was going to bring up is is i felt very similar to what you were describing in your experience when starting to talk more openly about being polyamorous, you know, Crystal, my partner and my wife, um, and I, when we started using the terms polyamorous, we had a pretty exclusive relationship agreement in place. And so I was identifying in poly as, as polyamorous and bisexual with an agreement with her that I wasn't going to be physical really beyond uh you know hugs and you know again air quotes normal physical contact with other people um however claiming that identity was still a very important part for me right Mm -hmm. like like and there is a lot of people that are like oh if you're polyamorous and you're not dating anyone are you polyamorous like 
um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you are gay and you are single and not sexually active, you're still gay. Like, like, like it does not, it does not have anything to do with the actual like particular physical act. Right. And I guess in the inverse of that, like I know people who identify as heterosexual who would participate in some physical, uh, contact with people of the same gender as them that to some people would not be considered heterosexual. And I'm not yeah. going to say, Oh no, you're, you're not straight. If you identify as straight, I'm going to take your word for it and say, you're straight. Well, yeah. oh, he just sucked a dick. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe he did, <laughs> but he says he's straight. And that's, I, I'm okay. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh gatekeep and police straight people. Like that's a step too far, you know? Yeah, for sure. Sorry, maybe that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um but I also think that uh there's related to that, I think there's people that question their sexuality if they haven't had an experience, right? And so it's like people think um Okay, like I've had the question, like, have you had a sexual experience with a woman, you know? And I'm like, well, does it matter? And and I think that there is that, like, you and I talked about the whole bi imposter syndrome that exists where people are kind of like, am I, like, bi enough to say that I'm bi? And, like, what makes you bi enough? And I saw a meme recently. Um, I forget who put it out. It was on Instagram. I shared it on Twitter. But um, – it it said it had like the the colors of the bi flag in a in a pie graph and it said how bi I am I and then um, each color was like bi enough or whatever it was that they were all mm -hmm. I could you remember what it said yeah it was it was a it was a pie graph and and it said a hundred percent bi but in pink a hundred percent bi but in blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. A hundred percent bi but in purple. Yes, exactly. And so I think that like. I've had friends that, you know, when I came out, they were like, I'm probably bi too. And I'm like, maybe you are, you know? And and I think that like, it it's, you, you can have an individual perception of how you are and who you are. And, and that's okay. Like that's valid. Your journey is valid. And so I think that, um, that was an interesting piece of the conversation because I think that when, as you said, if you put this on straight people, when people are in middle school, high school, and say that they're straight, nobody, or in, in adulthood, or whenever, nobody's asking them, like, well, have you had a sexual experience with somebody of the opposite gender? So how do you know that you're straight? Like, nobody ever makes people explain away their straightness in that way. And so I wonder why people would think that you should explain away your queerness by defining it by the sexual experience that you've had, right? Can we talk can we talk honestly about it for a second because I think one of yeah. the primary things that that exists within uh by erasure inside the queer community um is not acknowledging straight privilege, not acknowledging being straight passing. 
And I think that yeah. those are those are very important things to acknowledge, right? Um, I'm legally married and co-parenting um, and have been since before we had national legalization and and uh, acknowledgement for gay marriage in the US. And there's a point of privilege there, right? Yeah, same. And yep. I think that that's an important thing to acknowledge it, it in in the process i i think it's fair for someone to i think i think it is i i understand why somebody who was torturously mistreated in middle school and high school as an out gay individual queer individual struggled to have a legitimate partnership with their life partner when the 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 state would not acknowledge their partnership and their marriage right previous to 2014 and the national you know supreme court decision uh here in the US and then to and then to feel like me at 33 saying hey i'm by is is the same experience it is a hundred percent not the same experience and i think that it's it is valid to say that it is different in the same way that cis white gay men have a ton of privilege that a lot of folks in the queer community do not have queer people of color trans folks trans people of color uh there's there's there is other experiences that are very very different and so being like i'm gay it's like yeah but you're a white cis dude and it is different it just is uh and i think that's an important acknowledgement yeah i a thousand percent agree and so i think like even when i came out i was I had that in my mind because we've had people even on the podcast that have talked about, you know, being closeted for 30 years because they had to do that for different reasons or, you know, their journeys. And so I absolutely recognize that. And I was actually like in saying that I was by a little bit afraid that people there would be pushback. And I was overwhelmed by the support from the queer community to say like, hey, welcome to welcome to the queer community. And I was like, really? <laughs> and, and, um, but I think also, um, you know, I was in, um, I was in Boston last weekend, um, briefly cause I was out East and we stopped through Boston for a few hours and there was this art display in Boston common, which is like, or, you know, big outdoor area in Boston. Um, I'm probably not even saying it right. I hope I am, but it was a huge LGBTQ, like art display and it was different profiles of different people that are prominent in Boston that are queer and that just had different stories. And we just walked along and we saw their stories and it was just this photograph exhibit. And it was really beautiful. And it was, it was interesting because there were people that were like in their seventies and people that were in their fifties. And I just like really felt like those were people that paved the way for where we are today and where like the amount of acceptance and the amount that people, I mean, there's still so much marginalization and so much 
that people endure, but I also see so many ways that there's been progress made. And I, and I especially loved, cause there were a lot of activists, which is amazing. And I also loved like, you know, the, you know, somebody that's vice president of the library or whatever it was like, they're just like, it, it wasn't like their whole job was you have this job because you're queer, but it was just like, you're just like an everyday person and you're queer. And like, I just feel like that's what the world is, is becoming. And as we really celebrate and support queerness and, and just continue that path that all of those activists and all of those people have started, it just continues to pave the way for what happened with my children, where it's like, I can just casually say like, oh, it's kind of like me, I'm bi. And they're like, oh, cool, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think part of it, for me has been trying to put myself in proximity and in relationship with people who have more experience, more uh, of life, uh, uh, being out, being queer, being uh, uh, doing work, doing activism, uh, learning from those people and putting yourself in front yes. of those people and being like, hey, I, I, you know, don't want to come into a community and pretend like I've always been here. I'm new. Like, help me yes. learn. Help me understand. Help me, you know, figure things out. I think also, to some extent, like, one of the things that has been an experience for me is the fact that to be honest, my experience with exploring relationships with men has not been the best pers personally. Um, and men. I've had to, uh, say what you said. Amen. Just men. It's just, men. Oh, like, oh, I think you said, amen. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I'm just saying men. <laughs> Yeah, and I've had to go like, okay, like, okay, how do I how do I get the right people around me to help kind of guide me into that? And and you're not going to do that without talking about it. Like you just, you know, there is benefit in talking about it. If you think that you might be queer, you might be trans, or you might be whatever you might be, find people who look like you think you might be, you know? There's bisexual representation out there. Um, we've talked about, you know, podcasts. We've talked about uh, authors, right? Um, generous uh, on Instagram, Jen Winston, um, author of Greedy, uh, a bisexual memoir, yes. uh, you know, Two Bi Guys podcast. Like, there are people out there who, who you can follow, you can learn from, you can even create relationship from, with and from. But I think that there's a way to do it uh, in a way that's like, oh, man, I, I'm aware of the depth of experience that I'm lacking. Uh, and I want to learn and I want to just like like soak up, you know, this this wisdom and and experience, et cetera. And I think that's the way 99% of people are. The fear about like, oh, I'm going to be rejected is, is it's a pretty small percentage of people. But there, I mean, there will be people. There are people who were like, ah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't fuck with, you know, by people who are married to, you know, in heteronormative marriages. Yeah. Well, and I think, cause I think there is a question of, for me, because it doesn't change my relationship structure to come out. And so it's just me being more honest and authentic about who I am. Right. And so I think there's this question of like, then why even, why does it matter? Why does it even matter to, to say anything at all? And I will say that for me, it felt important um, for a few reasons, but I think that like one of the reasons is because I'm okay with making people uncomfortable and and like I think that that is like there's – I mean this is just one among many reasons, but there, I think there's some teachable moments in there and I also think that as we go on, there might be times where some of those people that, you know, a month ago were like – who, you know, who, who are you fucking, you know, like might have children that come out as bi in 10 years that they're like, Oh, I'm starting to realize that this is like a thing where, you know, it's not, there's certain aspects of it that you don't just jump to the assumptions that you might've jumped to when I came out, like you might have learned a little bit along the way. And so I, I'm not saying that I am in a position to kind of teach everyone in my life about bisexuality, but I do think that representation matters. And I do think that when you're in people's lives that don't know a lot and start to kind of get uncomfortable and then they kind of just see it play out and they're able to ask questions, then, you know, when their sister comes out, when their parent comes out, when their child comes out, it's a little bit more like, oh, like this, you know, I have a friend that's bi and now I just like, you're bi too. Great. You know? And I just think that it becomes less of a thing where it's like, oh, you have this big coming out moment. It's real serious and whatever it it used to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the way in which that, that culture has, has kind of like pushed uh, uh, this like binary uh, is existent in a reality throughout all of these dynamics and conversations, and and I think that that Brian G. Murphy, who's been on the podcast um, from Queer Theology, he had a TikTok or Instagram thing or something that I think I've talked about before, where he talked about polyamorous people and saying. I remember basically the the premise of this TikTok was like it like there's it's no when um, because people are like oh you know if you say oh it's very you know relationship is very easy it's very easy they're like oh it's not supposed to be easy you know polyamorous <laughs> people just want it to be easy they just want to like have three people or four people because they just want it to be easy they're just into easy relationships right. Um, then on the other hand, if you say, oh, it's really tough, it's a lot of work to have, you know, four relationships, they're like, oh, man, like, that's a sign, like, it would be so, like, the fact that it's hard, you know, that, that you have all these other relationships, that's a fact, that's a sign that it's not natural, it's not right, because it's so hard, it's so complex, relationships are, like, really difficult, uh, and it's like, all right, which is it, you know? <laughs> Is it is it yeah. bad if it's easy? Is it bad if it's hard? And I think same for queerness, right? Like the ex-gay movement, gay conversion therapy, right? There was a whole bunch of people saying, like, we can change your sexual orientation. We can change you. We can change you. You can change. You need to be straight. You need to be straight. You need to be straight. So if somebody who has been in multiple gay relationships begins to go, I think I might be bi, 
it's like, oh man, is this going to feed the change narrative? The reality mm. is your sexual orientation might change. Like, yeah. like that's like the fact that conversion therapy doesn't work and we cannot by will or method change someone's orientation does not mean that someone might evolve and have their orientation shift. I've had trans men friends, my my one particular friend who's a trans trans man, and he was like, oh man, all growing up through high school and college, you know, I was a closeted lesbian. And then I transitioned and I've been on T for a couple years. And now I'm like, I think I might be bisexual. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm feeling this attraction to men and I'm like, yeah, uh, like, like testosterone's going to change things for you, like growth and like being in different like positions in life, the dynamics that change when you transition. Like it makes so much sense to me that you might reorient or that your orientation might shift. Totally, totally normal. Totally. Okay. Straight heteronormative culture puts pressure on us to say, once you pick a team, you better stay there or else you're going to be delegitimized. De yeah. And it's just not, anyway, that's, it's just not, it's just not the way it is. And it is, it's homophobia at the root of that is what, is what that is. And I think too, I think I want to have a conversation about this because this is something you and I talked about before I came out because um, there were a few people that I had conversations with about when I was just kind of exploring how I was feeling. And um, one thing that I want to talk about is um, it your attraction might not be like a 50-50 or, or I don't know how you put it, but we talked about this. Like it might be that, um, you know, you line up 10 people and you're attracted to like eight of them and maybe, you know, five of them are men and three of them are women or whatever it is. Like it's, and I think that people kind of think like I have to be as attracted to men as I am to women, or I have to be as attracted to women as I am to men to be able to call myself a quote unquote true bisexual or true, true queerness or whatever it is. And I think that that was a conversation. And I've, I've been asked that question by friends who are like, what if I feel a little bit less attracted to women, but I still feel attracted to women? And I'm like, then it's whatever you call it. You know, like it's not, there's not. A, you know what a, you call it? Queer. It's queer. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's at the end of the day, uh, Spencer Sunboy, who is like uh, a TikTok creator, uh, OnlyFans creator. He's wonderful. One of my favorites uh, as a trans uh, guy. He did a great video that I think I sent to you where he was like, I am a daughter in some contexts and I am a girlfriend in some contexts and I am a boyfriend in some contexts and I'm gay in some contexts and I am apparently straight in some contexts, right? Like if I, you know, if I'm a trans man that is, has dated cis men and cis women and trans men and you know like it's okay for that to be nuanced and queer it's okay for it to be uh uh these these binary like the 
the destruction of the binary is the point. The binary is not real. Uh, the binary that we have created about sexual orientation and gender is not real. We know that. We know that people exist on all ends of the spectrum from feminine to masculine, whether, whether they identify in a particular gender or not. And so I really do think to some extent we are moving to a society that is predominantly queer. Um, and that's why I have to laugh when people like Marjorie Taylor Greene say they want to eradicate straight people. And I'm like, I think that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I look do. at and my niece and, you know, her and 13 of her friends at high school and freshman year, she goes, you know, Uncle Cortland, I, I, I'm the only cis straight person in my friend group. And I'm like, fucking awesome. That's great. Good for you. You're so brave. <laughs> so I told her, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think too, I think that, um, it's starting to shift because, and I, I, you know, we've talked about people that grew up pretty religious and were closeted, but I also think there, there's a question out there, um, for, for folks like us that come out later, were we closeted all this time? Was it something that we've known all this time? Is it something new? And I think that I like, that's another thing that we've explored because like, Honestly, I never even let my brain even consider the possibility that I would have been by. And so like, it's just a hard question to answer because had I known growing up, had I known my whole life, like, oh, you could, you have the option to just date whoever you have the option, you know, like had I like let myself believe that. And that wasn't even like a certain person that said no way. It was just like, that was the water I was swimming in. Everybody was straight. It was super heteronormative. And so I think that like, that's that's just kind of a, a an impossible question to answer because I don't know if I would if things would have been different had I known or had I had that option or let myself consider that option years ago and you know dated and and all of that. Um, so I think I don't know. What do you think, Cortland? I a hundred percent feel like there for me was growing up a a standard that said unless you were this type of gay you're you're straight and yeah. it was the default again that assumption is rooted in homophobia right like if you if you are not a uh, uh, a swinger with three girlfriends you're you know monogamous well that's not necessarily true <laughs> there are not there are polyamorous people that only sleep with one people one person or don't sleep with anybody there are asexual polyamorous people uh, so, so these rigid binaries definitely existed. I remember for instance, um, one particular kid who I went to high school with, or I guess we didn't go to high school together, but we were in high school around the same time. We hung out in the same friend group. I remember he came out and he had told somebody, um, at that time, I didn't have any language for like top or bottom or any of that sort of stuff. But like, basically, it said like he he's a top, you know. Uh, and I remember a lot of people being like, "You're not really gay. Like, if you're a top, you're not really gay, you know. Like, unless you're a bottom, you're you know. Like, and it's like that's weird gatekeeping, especially mm. from straight people, especially you know." when uh 
you have somebody who's, you know, trying to like say, Hey, this is who I am. You know, recently I've, I've learned about people using the terminology side. Uh, it, you know, I, I used, you know, switch or verse for a while. I've, I've really liked the idea of a side category. Um, because it's like, I, I don't want to top or bottom. I want to do all the other stuff. <laughs> that's, that's about where I am, you know? Um, with all genders, to be honest. And so the categories are expanding. The categories are expansive. The categories are fluid and do have their own spectrums in between. And so I think we, in these conversations, need to be very self-critical and we need to examine are we talking about queerness through a heteronormative lens? Yes. Are we talking about polyamory through a mononormative lens? Or are we acknowledging that being queer or being polyamorous is one very nuanced way to approach existing in this world and having connection and relationship with other people that is really expansive and involves culture and gender and likes and attractions and sexuality. Uh, it really, I think, for a long time was about for straight people, it was about sex acts. And I think yeah. that the, the, the conversation around queerness is changing. The conversation around gender is changing. Yeah, well, and I just think it's interesting when you're talking about change, too, because one thing that came up this week is I had a tweet from a year ago that um, I think you said came back up because somebody liked your response to it out of the blue. And so it was from November 2021. And I had said something like, Somebody in my DMs is accusing me of being gay and they're saying, you know, the only reason that I'm super affirming is because I'm secretly gay and that's why I'm such a strong advocate for the queer community. And I was like, no, it's because um, non-affirming theology is killing people. That's why I'm affirming. And so um, it's interesting because um, it, it got retweeted and so I shared it and was like, oh, a lot has changed in a year. But also there was this piece of me that I was like, does it, to some level, lessen the voice of advocacy that, or it, I guess it changes the, the way that I'm able to advocate because I feel like when a straight person is an ally, there's like this, people don't look at it the same as when you're a queer, when you're queer and you're advocating for the queer community because there's people from the outside that is like, why, you know, of course they're going to advocate for the queer community if they're queer. But like, why would a straight person advocate for the queer community and be an ally? And so I just, it was an interesting to me, like, I just was thinking through that and processing that today when I was like, oh, things have changed. But also like the way that I'm able to be a voice in this space has changed just a little bit because now I'm queer, you know? Yeah. And, and I think there's tons of nuance there, right? There's, there's tons of points on the spectrum there. I remember having uh, a conversation with Tyler our friend who's been on the pod. Tyler Crumland, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And he was saying, he was like, I don't in any context ever want to be perceived as straight. Like, ever. <laughs> Gross. And I was like, I get that, you know? Uh, yeah. he was he was he was saying he was like if I'm out with like a girlfriend like a friend of mine who's a girl and people are like oh your wife and he's like no I no <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> not my wife he not straight to me about that too. um <laughs> and and I think that's totally fair right but there's also an aspect for me to I had a conversation today at Best Buy because I had to get some stuff for my computer and I okay, was... Okay, wait, I have to interrupt you because there's yeah. a t-shirt floating around that the says best, best Buy, but best, it says I want B. that t-shirt. <laughs> I know. So anyway, continue talking about Best Buy, but this Some, store. Somebody on Twitter was like, "Why? what's stopping you? And I was like, I don't feel like I can buy it. I feel like someone needs to buy me the shirt <laughs> we, to, we to like for each other christen me as the Best Buy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just... <laughs> I was at Best Buy today and I'm in line and I get up to the front and I'm talking to the person who's ringing me up and uh, she was like, oh, I like your name. And I was like, yeah, it's, I am, I've only met three other Cortlands in my life. And I said one of them was just, you know, a few months ago I met a Cortland who is the barista at this coffee shop that I go to. And after leaving the coffee shop, I thought to myself, like, man, I really should have asked him out because I would love to go on a date with a Cortland. Um, because how cool would that be, right? Like maybe we'd hit it off. We'd be Cortland and Cortland. Like we could have a couple Instagram. It'd be like the Cortlands. Like it could be cool. <laughs> you took that pretty far, pretty quickly, but okay. Yeah, like I'm like thinking about the brand we could build together. Anyway, you could have children named Cortland. <laughs> yeah, we could have Cortland the second and the third. <laughs> anyway, um, a few months, a couple months later, I went back. It's not a coffee shop. Shop I go to regularly, and I went back and I asked. I was like, "Hey, does Cortland still work here?" And they're like, "Oh, he's gone." And I tried to find him on Facebook, and I couldn't. Sad into the story, I never got to ask him out. I told the, the cashier checking me out, and she was like, "Oh, that's really that's really great." And she goes, "Oh, the woman I'm in love with uh, is named Marcy or something," and she also had a really unique name. This cashier, and then towards the end, she was like, "Hey, I I I." I'm getting ready to go. And she's like, I'm actually married to a man. And I was like, oh, I'm actually married to a woman. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, but that's not going to st stop me from dating like a cute boy who shares my name. And she was like, oh, I love that. And then we waved and I went on my way. And there is an opportunity that I have in being able to be in this situation to maybe be an access point or something that makes people think like, that's weird. Uh, and that's different, and therefore maybe I should rethink that or think about it differently, right? Um, because maybe somebody has made their mind up about gay people, uh, but then when they meet somebody like me, I'm different, right? Maybe someone has made their mind up about you know a particular type of person. So whatever variant of queerness you might have, whatever, like, you know, expansive expression of gender you might have, you have a unique opportunity to meet people in a new way and make people think in a different way. So I see it as like a feature, not a bug, that I can talk about being in a heterosexual relationship and being polyamorous and all these things because I think that there's an aspect of, yeah, you think that you know what it means, but I'm a little bit different, and so let me tell you my perspective um, and maybe that will hit people different or make people think like, oh, the way I thought about this 
is is different. Um, the person I was trying to think of, her her name is Robbie Hoffman. She's a comedian. Um, she was on a podcast and, and called uh, Read the Bible with Me. Uh, and she was talking about her top surgery and talking about her gender identity. And she's like, I'm she, her, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a lesbian. I, I, and someone said, you can like cut your boobs off. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I want to do that. Like, how did no one tell me about that? Um, and she got top surgery and she's like, and now a lot of people are like, oh, are you, they, them, are you non-binary? And she's like, no, I just like, was like, no, I don't, I don't like, there wasn't much here and I wanted it gone. (laughs) And I had the surgery, and I feel comfortable in my gender here, but I'm still a woman. Hmm. Yeah. And that's that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like like there is this sometimes this idea is like, oh, well, if you had top surgery, you're non-binary or you're a trans man or you're like, no, like women can have top surgery. Men can have feminization surgery. Like, 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 like women can have, you know, like, like, it is the whole idea is to realize that these individual traits that we ascribe to gender are very, very cultural and very arbitrary, right? Like I've seen women, cis women with some amazing leg hair, you know, that does not make them not women. That makes them women with leg hair because breaking news women grow leg hair what <laughs> and it's <laughs> fucking okay you know um, um can i just say yeah. that if you ever do date that Cortland, i think both of you should um live in portland <laughs> the Cortlands in portland and i feel like there could be a, an instagram we could do this whole instagram thing for this the, the Cortland portland now i have to find him you would think it would be easier to find the other Cortland in Denver, but there's yeah. actually way more of us. Go on Facebook. It's like there is no other Cortland coffees. I can't hide. Um, I always <laughs> tell people I can't ever be like that was the other Cortland coffee um, because I'm unfortunately uniquely me. But a uh, lot, lot more Cortlands than you think. Megan, what else do you have? Uh, We're getting towards the end, and I've yeah, talked we are way getting too towards much. the end. The only thing that I wanted to add is that I think that like by the time I got to the point where I was coming out it felt so natural to me because I had so many queer friends and it it almost like, I almost forgot like how I maybe didn't understand queerness maybe three years ago. And, and so some of the questions that I got surprised me and it took me a moment to, cause I, um, I had a conversation with somebody that about some of my curiosities about the questions that I got. And, And it took me a moment and that person was like, well, just think about if, if your friend or family member had said that to you like three years ago, like where were you then? And so I think that like I had to kind of remember that this was a journey for me to understand what it meant to be affirming and then understand what it meant that like, oh, also like I'm affirming myself now, you know? And so I think that was an interesting piece of my story. And I don't, that might not be the same for everybody. And I think not everybody has community when they come out and not everybody has a safe place to be able to be outspoken. And so um, also just want to, we always say, Cortland and I have open DMs if, if people are processing or wanting to talk or and, and aren't ready to do that publicly. Um, we definitely um, want to hold people's stories with care and tenderness. And so I, I have a few people that have told me, 
you know, like you're one of three people that I've told this to. And, and I, I honor that and, and take great value in, um, holding space for somebody's story. So, um, just, uh, I just wanted to say, again, we're not the experts. We're just sharing our own experience. And there's so many people that have come before us that we've learned from and that we're still learning from. And if we do this same conversation a year from now, it probably would look a lot different because we've probably grown and learned a lot more. So, um, I think those are kind of my last thoughts. What about you, Cortland? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's right on. Like, this is just, I, I, definitely listen to myself back on these episodes and go like you you say things like you know things way more than you actually know things so i think i just want to echo what you said is that i i don't know like i'm still figuring out a lot of things um but i've found a lot of value in being able to just say the thing talk about the thing i'm thinking about and even like maybe it's not everybody's relationship, you know, maybe you're in a straight passing hetero relationship and maybe this isn't going to work for you. But like the ability for me to turn to Crystal and be like, oh, my God, did you see that, dude? <laughs> I've had that moment, those moments with my partner. It's... I will, I, yeah. It's a, it's a very bonding experience to go like, oh, wait, there is an aspect that I see that you see that we both see that yeah. is interesting. Like, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely um, the other day he was in the school pickup. Uh, there's like a spot where we stand because we walk to pick up our kids and. He texted me and was like, I'm in the school pickup spot. And I was like, oh, is that one mom there that has the undercut haircut and the all the tattoos? And he was like, she's not here, but I know exactly who you're talking about. And it was like this moment where we were like, we both see it. Huh? Maybe mm -hmm. we do have the same taste in women. Yep. There is there is this like, oh, wow. Yeah, there's there's things firing in me and firing in you that are that are uh, uh, aligned and that can bring us closer together. Um, I want to, I want to just also, I guess, lastly talk about ACE folks. Um, you know, as somebody I identify like somewhere on the ACE spectrum, gray ACE, um, and you know, my relationship with traditional sexuality and just like sexual attraction has always been a little bit nuanced and different. Um, and I think that those folks, we talk a lot about bi erasure, I talk a lot about it, right? Like, you know, um, ace folks even more so, right? Like there's a lot of yeah. um, queer ace folks who don't, who haven't for a long time gotten very much representation um, because people were just kind of like, that's not a thing, you know? <laughs> like you're just like, you just like are good at not having sex. And in, especially in evangelical culture, you're yeah. just basically told like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're very good at purity culture. Go you. Um, and there's, there is a desire and a need a lot of times um, in the ACE community that I have found and, and connected with for uh, validation that like, hey, your desire for intimacy, connection, and relationship apart from sex is still super valid it's not only super valid it's like something like so many 
of us can learn from and understand uh, because I feel like the ACE folks in my life have taught me a lot about all the aspects of attraction and connection and relationship that were kind of covered up with sex. Like if you have good sex, then like you don't really have to think about some of these other aspects of relationship and attraction and intimacy. Um, and so that's my paid advertisement, unpaid advertisement for ace people um, who have taught yeah, me a no, ton Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Connection. Anything else? Sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't no, mean to interrupt you there. You're good. I will just keep talking and talking and talking. <laughs> it's funny because I know uh, – just a shout out to our editor, Cody. Um, sometimes I'll have internet issues and so we won't hear each other. And so we'll jump in on each other and, um, and I'll say, can you edit that so that we're not jumping in on each other? And he's like, but you always do that. Like you, That's just how you have conversations. And I'm like, no, but there's that. But then there's also when there's internet issues, <laughs> it's funny, but I love it. It's great. That's why we, yeah, that's why we do what we do. Um, I think, I think we're good. I think that's good. That's a good that's a good episode. Well, we are not doing an intro and outro for this one, so do you want to tell people where they can connect with us, find us and uh join our Patreon. I think that's top of top of the hour. Um we're That'll be in the show notes. Talking about. So join the Patreon. Follow the the podcast, Thereafter Podcast on Instagram, Thereafter Pod on Twitter. You can find me, Megan, at the Pursuing Life kind of everywhere. Cortland at Cortland Coffee, kind of everywhere. Yep. And shoot us a hello if you want. Yeah, we want to we want to connect with the folks who are listening to this show. Um, I think coming up soon, we're gonna try to do like a call-in episode. I think that we'd really love to like do an episode where we hear from folks. And yeah. so be on the lookout for a prompt for that um, because there's so many great voices. And can we plug? the uh tuesday morning tuesday morning spaces yeah twitter spaces a lot of these conversations um and more we have with people beyond just Cortland and i and have so many we have a community of so many folks that i mean it's not even a closed community like anybody can come on tuesday mornings it's 6 a.m pacific time 7 a.m for Cortland, and just look up your time zone <laughs> so um, it's just on Twitter, and we just have live conversations, and we call it Deconstruction Coffee Hour. Look for the hashtag. I always hashtag it when I announce it. Um, yeah. so, I think it's like 2 p.m. Yeah. for James over in the U.K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Something like that. So. Yeah. Tuesday Tuesday mornings, if you're in the U.S., um, all over the world, someday, sometime on Tuesday. And uh, that is all for us. We'll be back next week with another guest, and uh, I'm pretty stoked about some of the guests we have we have coming up so uh keep keep subscribed wherever you like to do that all right until next time until next time <laughs>